that, but how much of you do things in life to protect yourself from things that could happen? Okay, let's just be honest. There's some people in this room that probably have those kits in their basement of like food that can last like six months, right? The ones you see on the commercial late at night, you know, you buy these boxes and, and, and this stuff is going to last forever. And it's kind of like the doomsday kit that you put in your basement. You know, some people go, go all out with their preparation for what could happen. But most of us have some sort of insurance. Some of you have insurance for your insurance. Some of you, you know, stack those insurance policies because you want to be prepared for whatever happens. You know, some of you have security systems on your, on your house and, and you know, you got that video camera on the doorbell and you're checking it. You know, the other day I found something kind of funny that, um, that uh, I didn't know existed on my Amazon Alexa, right? That I can drop in and listen to what's happening at my house and no one knows it, you know, and that's kind of cool. It's like, I can listen to see if anybody's there when we're not home besides Willie. And so I started talking to Willie through Amazon Alexa, by the way, Willie is our, our eight pound uh, mini Dotson and he's, he's really, really cute. And, and so, and so I start talking to Willie and I hear him. And so I start howling because if I howl, he'll howl. And <laughs> And guess what? It worked through Amazon Alexa. And so I'm howling and Willie starts howling and then I felt bad. I'm like, I'm talking through the, through the, through the echo dot. Willie, it's gonna be okay, it's okay, buddy. Anyway, that was a total divergence rabbit trail. But we, we have all these tools. Some of you have LifeLock to keep your credit cards safe. You know, back in the day, guys, do you remember you, you had your wallet, but then you had the chain on the wallet, right? Cause you're like, ain't nobody getting hold of my wallet. You know, but then we had to go digital with LifeLock and all that. Some of you, you don't just have the four digit passcode on your phone. You've got like the 14 digit, right? And, and, it's, and it's so complicated that only you, you're like, my kids are never finding this out. And then the next day you don't remember and you've locked yourself out of your phone, um, you know, old people problems. But today we're gonna talk about the best protection for your life that has ever been afforded to you. And so let's read our theme, for, theme verse for this series, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And then our text for today says, in Ephesians six fourteen says, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor. I love that. The body armor of God's righteousness. Let's pray. God, we just invite you today to speak to us about your righteousness of your righteousness that you've afforded to us through your death on the cross, your resurrection from the grave. God, you've given us your righteousness. And so we just accept that today and help us to learn what that means for us and how we can live this out in our life, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. And so righteousness, this is basically a fancy Christian word, a biblical word that translates into our vernacular as right living, being morally justified, being somebody who does things right, righteousness. But this message isn't so much about being right. How many of you know there's a, there's a big difference between being right and doing it right. 
And so this message isn't just about being right or, or even fighting for righteousness. Man, there's a lot of, of, of warriors out there that are fighting for change. They're fighting for their rights. They're fighting for, you know, righteousness in our communities. That's not what this is about either. Righteousness isn't a sword. Think about that. You read this passage in, in Ephesians 6, and it doesn't say pick up the sword of righteousness. It says put on the breastplate or the body armor of righteousness. So a breastplate or body armor, it protects your heart, it protects your vital organs. I always love our, our, our cops and, and, and you know, people in the law enforcement, how tough they look with their body armor on, right? It's kind of cool for dudes because you put that on and all of a sudden you just got like, like six inches bigger, right? You don't even have to push up, puff out your chest and walk around like your big stuff. You just put that body armor on and all of a sudden you're bigger than you used to be. I think that's so cool. And so the, that protects the heart, the vital organs. You know, back in the day uh, when we lived in Illinois, my son had a, an ATV, a four-wheeler. And it was an old school 1985 Honda 4-Tracks 250. And this thing was awesome. You could beat it to death and it wouldn't die. It was just one of those old Honda engines. And so perfect for, a, for a, I think he was like 11 when he got it. Perfect for him to beat up. But hey, when he got that four-wheeler, four -wheeler, what do you think what else we got? We got a helmet and we got a chest protector. And he was not allowed to get on the four-wheeler and drive that dangerous piece of equipment without the chest protector on. Why? Because we cared about his heart. We cared about his life and we wanted to protect him. Listen, Jesus cares about you so much. And this is the heart of righteousness. This is the heart when God, when we talk about right living, this is what it all comes down to. Jesus cares about you so much. He cares about our lives, our hearts, that he wanted to give us amazing protection from the strategies of our enemy, the devil. And it's his righteousness or his ways to live right that is the method right? It's what protects us. And so his righteousness protects our heart from things that want to harm us. And so how do we properly wear the body armor of right living? What do we do with this? Number one, in your notes, if you want to grab them off your seat, there should be some pens in front of you. Or if you open up the Mosaic Church app, the notes are there as well. How do we do this? Number one, we have to remember that right came at a high cost. This is the starting point. If you don't know how much was paid so that you could have the righteousness of God in your life, then it will just feel like a have to. It will feel like a, an imposition. It will feel very legalistic and constrictive. We've got to remember that right came at a high cost. You know, sometimes when you don't pay for something, it's hard to really value its worth. Have you ever seen that in life? Perfect example is you rent a car. And what's the first thing you do, especially guys, when you pull out of the rental car parking lot? I'm gonna see what this thing's got, right? And you, you hit the pedal to the metal and you maybe take corners a little faster. Oh, you don't? Maybe it's just me. Pray for me, the weaker vessel. But when it's not yours and you know you're going to check that thing back in in a few days, it's like, man, 
I'm going to see what this thing's got. So maybe you get an Airbnb. Or maybe you, you, you go to the hotel and, and you're just paying one night for it and tomorrow it's somebody else's problem. And maybe you don't normally jump on the bed at your house. But next thing you know, you're having a dance party on top of the bed because it's, you don't have to worry about it the next day, right? Maybe you're at your parents' house and there's this little thing called a light switch. And you walk out of the room and you don't even think about it. You're like, what light switch? Right? Why? Because you ain't paying the bill. You get on your friend's jet ski and you're like, I'm going to have fun with this thing. You open that thing wide open. You're, you're doing the turn thing where it digs down in the water. You're flying your son off the back of it because it's fun. You know, then your wife gets on, you're making her scream and, and, and you know, you're, you're just treating that thing like it's just a piece of equipment. Why? Because you didn't pay for it. And so I want to encourage you when we think about righteousness, think about the reason you're able to wear such an expensive piece of body armor. Too many times we cheapen the righteousness of God that he's afforded us, this, this body armor of righteousness. By, and, and we do this by asking ourselves questions like this. How good is good enough? How little can I do to still get God's approval and get by? You know, I feel like I've, I've been doing this and this and this. I think God's okay with me, right? And when we ask those kind of questions, how good is good enough? And, and, and you know, I, oh, I think I'm good enough. We're cheapening the, the righteousness of God because we're forgetting how much was paid for it. You know, sometimes when we have that attitude, we're just tipping God with our efforts. I'll do a little here and I'll do a little there and I'll do, I'll do right when it's most convenient for me. I'll do just enough to appease my conscience. But let me tell you, when Jesus laid down his life for you on the cross, when he died and paid the ultimate price for your freedom, he didn't do that just to appease your conscience. He did it to pay for the sin of all humanity. He paid a high price so that you and I could be free. And so instead of, you know, how good is good enough, I think in light of all this, in light of the cost that, that was paid for us to carry the righteousness of God, we should be asking questions like, how much can I give? How close to Jesus can I get? Just like that song we sang today. God, I want to be close to you, my soul devotion. Not just a devotion on Sundays, not just a devotion when it, it fits the schedule, but God, my soul devotion is getting to know you, to put you first in my life. Too many times, well, wait, actually first, how about perfection being our goal? And you might say, Joe, never, nobody's ever gonna be perfect. Isn't that a little too much to ask? Well, when you read you know, the writings of Paul, he was striving for perfection. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. Now, Paul was honest that he knew he would never reach it until he crossed over into glory and when he breathed his last breath and, and he was brought into the presence of God. He knew he might never achieve perfection, but that was never going to stop him for, from going for it. Listen, I know you'll never be perfect and I know that I'll never be perfect. But there's something about a heart that says, I'm going to give it all I got, Jesus because you paid such a high price for me, right? Too many times it's grace for me and justice for everybody else, right? 
oh God, give me all the grace, but I'm going to hold everybody else accountable. We do that, don't we? We fight for justice and righteousness in everyone else's lives, but our own. Our eyes are always on what everybody else is doing wrong, and rarely do we give ourselves that stringent of a self-evaluation. It's amazing, think about it, the cost that people will pay relationally, emotionally, and mentally to be right. Have you ever noticed that? Man, we fight to be right. Man, we're gonna, we're gonna win that argument if, if, if our life depends on it. But then, have you ever noticed the low cost that we are willing to pay to live right? Man, it gets really quiet really fast, doesn't it? Will, we will go to all kinds of links to be right, but we're so not willing to sacrifice to live right. Have you ever seen someone use right as a club, right? That they're always using on somebody else. I saw a meme, a meme the other day. It said, I'm not always right, but when I am, it's usually all of the time. <laughs> Isn't that great? I'm not always right, but when I am, it's usually all of the time. Listen, though, God didn't call you to be right. He sacrificed himself so that you could become his righteousness. That's heavy. Listen to it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, not in you, not in anything you could do, not in anything you could ever achieve, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How amazing is that? I'm going to become the righteousness of God that my past, my present, my future performance, those are never going to make me worthy of his righteousness. It's only in him that I become righteousness. And so the only way that I get clean, that I get free, that I live right, that I live a pure life is through the grace of Jesus that's demonstrated through his death and resurrection. And when you fully grasp this price that Jesus paid for, for you to become the righteousness of God, your need to be right just melts away. It becomes so less significant. Why? Because you're walking in the righteousness of God. And when you become the righteousness of God right, what is right and wrong in life is then interpreted through the eyes of the one who gave me the righteousness. This is kind of heavy stuff, but let it sink in. Jesus died for me to be righteous. When I step into the righteousness he affords me, then he gets to be the one who determines what is right and wrong in this life. Because I'm not walking in my own righteousness. I'm not walking in my own goodness. I'm not walking in what I could do. I'm walking in a life that has been provided to me by the grace of God on a cross. He paid a high price. I don't think any passage in scripture better depicts the price that he paid than Isaiah 53, three through six. It says, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. 
But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, everybody say all. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So if he paid the bill, if he paid the bill, then he gets to call the shots. Amen. So the first step to wearing the body of armor of righteousness that God gives us is remembering the cost that was paid for it. Number two, we've got to remember that we are using God's armor. It's his armor. Ephesians 6, 14, stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. It's his. And so we have to appropriate it. We got to put it on. It's not of ourselves. We got to make the choice that I'm going to put on his righteousness each and every day. Listen, we're not fighting something external. We're fighting something spiritual. It's not your works. It's not your righteousness. It's his. And this is one reason why we can't make up our own versions of right and wrong. Why? Because we're not walking with our own righteousness. We're walking with his. And since we're walking with his, it has to be his version all day long. Does that make sense? When we say, is this right or wrong? Am I doing the right thing? Am I walking right? Am I living right? Am I doing things right in life? We consult him and his word. He created us. He made us. He paid for it. It's his armor. I love what, how Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 puts it. It says, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does that tell me just in my own vernacular? It tells me that anything that I do here I was created to do by him. And so I need to get on his page. Instead of trying to find my way in life, I need to find his way in life. Instead of trying to find my path, I need to find his path. Instead of trying to find, you know, what I feel is good and right, I need to find what he feels is good and right. Because it's not by my own works, it's not by being a good person, it's not by just doing things right that I'm saved. It's only by grace through faith. Number three, if we're going to wear God's body armor well, we have to remember that we are blessed with God's righteousness. We're blessed with it. Listen, you don't have to fight to be right when you carry God's righteousness. You wear it as a blessing. You live in it. You submit to it, and it speaks for itself. Any righteousness that you and I possess came from him. And this leaves, this leaves us with no room for superiority or pride. No walking around like, well, I know and I'm better because I live like this and I do this and, and you people, you're just not quite there yet. Unfortunately, we see Christians do this way too much. You know, there's two reasons I think that everybody in the world um, is not a Christian. One, they've never met a Christian. The second reason that everybody in the world is not a Christian is because they met a Christian. And isn't that depressing? That sometimes in our attempt to carry the name of Christ, sometimes we don't do it that well. And I think, it's, I think it's because we forget that we're blessed with God's righteousness, not our own. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. It's a blessing 
and we get to carry his righteousness. Listen, you'll never be better than anyone else because you serve Jesus. So don't act like it. We're just one beggar sharing, showing another beggar where to find food, right? So much of the time we reject God's call for living right in his eyes. We reject this pull towards righteousness because many times it comes through a friend or a family member or a brother or sister in Christ. Sometimes we reject it because it's counterculture, because it's not what's cool these days or what, what, what the world says is, is right or wrong. It could happen like this. And, and this is just a backdrop for remembering, hey, we're blessed with his righteousness. So it could happen like this. Someone says to you, are you sure you wanna do that? And you're like, eh. Maybe your mom comes to you and says, have you ever thought about this? Which is just your mom's really, really kind way for saying, hey, you're being a knucklehead, right? Or, or maybe your grandma or your grandpa comes to you and says, hey, what, what, what's, what's going on here? Like, what, what, what led you to make that decision? And too much of the time, we're just like, oh, grandpa. Oh, dad. Oh, mom. Oh, brother. Oh, sister. Oh, friend. Too bad. You're just, you're just not as, light, as enlightened as I am in this area. And we kind of get an attitude when somebody like tries to help push us towards God's right, righteousness, even when they do it very kindly and lovingly. And sometimes it's because we don't understand God's reasoning. And sometimes it's just because we assume that our reasoning makes more sense, right? And sometimes you read in scripture and you're like, well, it just must be different now these days, right? That, that must not apply to now. It couldn't, could it? And we forget how much of a blessing God's righteousness is to us. Because we, we feel like, man, oh, that, that just feels so constricting. That feels like it's such a burden. Listen to this. In Isaiah 64, 6, it says, all of us, that's everyone, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Aren't you glad you came to Mosaic to get encouraged today, right? <laughs> this is like, um, you know, but if you read this right, with the right perspective, it can be one of the most encouraging verses you've ever heard. Because it was when you, were, you and I were in this state that Christ died for us. And so your lack brought his greatest provision in your life. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. See, we're blessed with God's righteousness when we put him first and when, when he is all that we want and all that we need and all that we seek. Hosea 10, 12 says, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up, man, I love this. Plow up the hard grounds of your hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. How cool are, how cool are these pictures? I had no righteousness. I'm going to seek righteousness. When I start to plant righteousness in my life, God is going to come and pour out more on my life. How cool is that? Some of you have just given up. You're like, I've tried to live right, Joe. I've tried to make the right choices. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've failed, I failed, I failed, I failed. Hey, guess what? God gets it. 
He knows. And how does he know? Because he died for you when you were, your righteousness was like filthy rags. And so I just want to encourage you. Don't stop. Don't stop. Do what Matthew 6.33 says. Seek first and ask yourself the hard question. Are you really treating God's righteousness like something that he's blessed you with? Is it really something that you're going for with all of your heart to live right, to do it right, to, to, to honor God, to honor what he did on the cross for you with your choices, your actions, with everything that you can in life? It's a big question. And so when we ask ourselves that question, we say, we pray and we say, God, plow up the hard grounds of my heart. Listen, my heart gets hard too sometimes. If you're human, your heart gets hard. Amen. And it's this prayer, it's this dependence on God saying, God, plow it up, soften me up, soften me up so that I could hear your voice, soften me up so that I could experience your presence, soften me up so that I'm sensitive to your Holy Spirit when he says, yes, go or no. Soften me up, God. And so how do we do this on a daily basis? We're gonna close here with point number four. We build on his foundation of righteousness. Listen, Jesus was a carpenter and by trade and by profession. And I, I know we got some trades guys in, this, in, in the house today that, that know how to build stuff. They know how to make stuff strong. They know how to, to build a deck that is gonna support the party that you're gonna have on it. They know how to, to pour a foundation such that it's not, your house isn't gonna fall over, right, when it, when it gets built. And so that's what Jesus was. He knew houses. He knew how to build. He knew what he was talking about when it, come, when it came to the trades. And he knew what it took to build a house that wouldn't fall down when storms and life happened. And so in Matthew 7, he said this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in, comes in torrents, and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. What a stark picture of a life built on God's precepts and wisdom and, and Jesus's teachings and the words that he's saying and a life that is not. There's two guys here in this story. One's built, or they're both building a house, right? Both choose a foundation. There's one supreme difference in the foundation though. One is built on God's word and one is not. Both of them experienced rains and floods and winds. Both heard the instructions. One heard and obeyed, one did not. One experienced a great deliverance from the storms of life and one did not. Sometimes we look at our lives and the circumstances that have happened and we're like, God, why is this happening to me? And I don't wanna pile on this morning, that's not my job. But sometimes it's like we run and run and run on our own and in our own choices and we run and we're trying so hard to get this life figured out on our own and we're trying to, just make it work without ever asking ourselves, am I, are my choices built on the rock? Am I really listening and following Jesus's words and commands? Am I really listening and following what God wants me to do instead of what I wanna do? 
And then when life falls apart, we're, who's the first person we blame? Why God? Right? And the cool thing is, even in that moment, he's got grace for you. He loves you. He's he, just like the prodigal son who ran home, his arms are open wide and he's like, come on, come on, it's okay. Come on home, come on home. Still love you, never stopped. Why? Because it's not based on your performance. It's not based on your failures. It's not based on, on, on what you haven't done. It's based on who I am. So God's word is the foundation in that story. The bricks is right living. You know, your choices. I'm, every time you make a choice that is going in God's direction, you're putting a brick on that firm foundation. And the mortar that holds all those bricks together, it's obedience. It's saying, I'm going to follow. Because what did Jesus say? Anyone who listens to my teaching, teaching is the foundation, and follows it, that's the obedience, is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. And so what do we do with that? First, we got to know what we believe. You got to know God's word. And you're like, Joe, I don't know God's word. That's okay. Just start today. Dig in. Seek first his kingdom with all of your heart. Listen, you're never going to know all of God's word just listening to me on the weekend. Spoiler alert. You'll never get enough. Just like eating one meal a week, it'll never be enough. Dig in. Dig into God's word. You have to know what you believe and why. And you're only going to know that by building it on the firm foundation that is God's word. It's a solid rock. Beliefs are foundations for your actions. And so get God's beliefs in your heart. The second thing, you got to act intentionally. What does this mean? No streams of unguarded consciousness. No unguarded streams of consciousness in my life. What does that mean? I'm going to guard what comes in. I'm going to guard what comes out. It's a breastplate. I'm going to protect my heart. I'm going to protect my heart from anything that would want to get the wrong teaching, the wrong attitudes, the wrong values in my life. Are you saying, Joe, well, does that mean I can't watch my favorite movies or my favorite show? Listen, you got to make that choice, but sometimes it will probably mean that. Some of you might be having flashbacks right now to maybe an old church when you were young and the preacher that only ever told you what you couldn't do. That's not the heart here. The heart is, how much do you want to treat God's righteousness like a gift? How much? How much do you want to honor the high price that Jesus paid to give you that righteousness? And so I'm going to act intentionally. No parts of my life, no parts of my behavior are off limits to God's leading. God, you can have it all. No matter what it costs me. No matter what people say. I want to do this thing right. And then lastly, we've got to have a higher purpose, right? I'm going to know what I believe. I'm going to act intentionally and I'm going to have a higher purpose. The higher purpose means I'm not just going to do these things because dad said so. We all know what that's like. It's like, oh, because dad said so. Here we go. I don't like it, but there ain't nothing I can do about it. And I'm just going to do it because he said so. You know, sometimes it starts out like that. But it's bigger than that. I'm honoring what Jesus did on the cross for me. That's your higher purpose. If it was worth Jesus dying to set me free from, 
then I'm not going to fight for it in my life. Man, I see so many young people fighting for their freedom in Christ over stupid things. Well, I can do this because, you know, the, 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 the word doesn't expressly say I can't. Don't fight for something dumb. Fight to lay your life down for Jesus. Some of you are going to get that and some of you aren't, and that's okay. But if it was worth Jesus dying to set me free from it, I'm not going to fight for it. I'm going to fight against it and I'm going to get it out of my life. I'm going to fight to build on the foundation that he gave me. And that foundation includes the foundation of a clean slate. He washed your sin away. So don't put it back on the slate. He washed it away. Do we mess up? Absolutely. And that's why we, we have times like this, a communion. I'm examining my heart. I'm asking forgiveness. I'm getting right with God. I do it on a daily basis. I say, God, my life is yours over again. And so we have this foundation of a clean slate. So I'm going to do my best to keep it clean. I've got a second chance. And because God gave me a second chance, I'm going to honor that with all, of it, all I got. I'm going to, I'm going to, build on the foundation that he's given me of power for living through the Holy Spirit, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And so I'm going to build on that foundation with an attitude that says, I can do it. And I can do it not just not because of who I am or how, how powerful I am. I can do it because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And so I'm going to get a little confidence. I'm going to do this on the foundation that my eternity is secured. And I, would, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. I'm going to treat that as sacred, that Jesus paid so that I could spend eternity with him in heaven. And now I'm going to treat that like it's the most important thing in my life. And then I'm, I'm going to build on the foundation that Jesus has given me a purpose in the here and now. I'm not just going to a job and, and, get, and getting up the next day and doing it again. I'm not just going to sports and I'm not just, um, you know, raising kids and I'm not just, you know, for me, I'm pastoring a church. That's not all there is to it. He's given me purpose. He's given me a purpose that is bigger than all of that. And it's to exalt and glorify the name of Jesus. That at the end of my life, when people see my life, hopefully they see a life that was surrendered to Christ. Hopefully they see somebody that, that said, hey, no matter what it costs, I'm gonna follow Jesus. That's a higher purpose. That praying that prayer, Jesus, when people see me, I, I want them to see you. And I'll just tell you, church, man, we, we're not always, I'm not always successful at that. And you could talk to my, some of my friends, people that are close to me, that people that have been around me for a lot of years, not all of them would say, hey, every time I see Joe, I see Jesus. But it'll never keep me from trying. It'll never keep me from going for it. It'll never keep me from saying, hey, I'm just gonna try again today to look more like Jesus and to honor Jesus and to make the next best choice according to his word. Amen? Bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. If you're here today and you're saying, Joe, I need to get right with God. There's stuff in my life that isn't right. There's no other way to put it. There's no, there's no candy coating it or sugar coating it. it. It's just not right. I know that there's things in my life that don't line up with God's righteousness. And I wanna ask God today to forgive me and cleanse me. What does the Bible say? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he raised Christ from the dead, you'll be saved. He'll cleanse you 
from all your unrighteousness. And so if that's you today and you're like, oh, that's me, I, I want that. I wanna have a clean heart. I wanna start over. I want a second chance um, today. I wanna take advantage of that. If that's you, just raise your hand today. I'd love to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Right now, sitting in your seat, I just encourage you in your own words to invite Jesus into your life. Maybe it's the first time you've prayed a prayer. Maybe you're sitting at home on your couch watching on the line. Pray right there, especially since you're sitting on your couch. Maybe you're alone. You can pray out loud. Talk to Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Joe, I need to remember the cost that Jesus paid for me and elevate the importance of carrying his righteousness in my life. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you, you just admit, man, I've gotten a little lax and I need, I need to treat the righteousness of God that he has afforded me through his death and resurrection on the cross with a higher, um, with a better attitude. With, with, I need to treat it like it's value, valuable, like, like it's the most valuable possession I have. If that's you today, as I pray a closing prayer, just raise your hand. God, I pray uh, for all those with hands raised and minds raised with them, that we could just place a higher value on your righteousness and right living in our life, that we that we'll just make a new commitment to doing things right for you, to living life according to your word, to saying, no matter what, Jesus, we're gonna try to do it right. Help us to build on a firm foundation. Help us to know why as we dig into your word. Help us to act intentionally, do things on purpose and, and go after that higher purpose that you have for us, Jesus. We wanna honor you with everything that we are. In Jesus' name.